Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Boogity, boogity, boogity! Let's go racing, boys! <laughs> well, that's Daryl Waltrip mimicking how he used to kick off a NASCAR race from the television booth, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family. Along with his wife, Stevie, your host is Focus President Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and a while back, it was our privilege to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, to record with the Waltrips at the Daryl Waltrip Museum in front of a live audience. It was a great day, John, and a lot of fun with our friends from Focus, and we enjoyed having one of NASCAR's all-time great champions with us. Uh, Daryl really knows how to drive, and in the 80s and 90s, he was the guy. Mm -hmm. He's fourth on the all-time NASCAR winning list, and uh, the Lord worked in his life to make some big changes, which helped he and his wife, Stevie, in their marriage, and that's what we're going to hear today. Let's go ahead and uh, go back to that day in Charlotte at uh, the museum for this fun visit on Focus on the Family. There you go. A lot of good folks out there. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl, let me talk to you about NASCAR, because a lot of people follow NASCAR. The TV audiences, uh, you do the Fox coverage, there'll be 250,000 people on, on, at the track sometimes and millions watching by television. Uh, for those that don't know NASCAR, what's its appeal, watching cars go fast around a track? Yeah, well, I, I, well competition. It's great competition. And, uh, and then the drivers, you know, the drivers are all uh, celebrities. People have their favorite driver. They pull for their favorite driver. Some people may pull for their favorite brand of car. A lot of different ways to connect to what we do. And then we're on TV every week. Uh, the races are all live, flag to flag every week. And it's a big production you know, we've been over here at the racetrack since Thursday. They were over Thursday practicing and qualifying. So it's a big, big production. It's a big weekend of, of uh, television and then all the things that take place at the track. It's, a, it's like going to a fair. If you, if, when you go to a race, you have to experience the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's a not great just, place for kids. And yeah, you don't just fun. show up for the race. That's right. Now, let me ask you, how did you get interested in this? And how old were you when you thought, I'd like to race? Well, seriously, I was six years old. Six years old. Yeah. That's not uncommon, though, a lot of these no. racers. No, but what was uncommon what was... Do you, do you fall down, hit your head, and say, no, no, oh, no, no, I, no. Want, I don't want to no. be a racer? No, my grandmother, uh, Oda Palestine Phillips, that was her name. Uh, my grandmother loved racing. And uh, my grandmother, she had a, a language all of her own. Uh, at least it seemed that way to me at the time, because she said words I'd never heard before. <laughs> I have heard since, but I didn't, hadn't heard them at that point. So my grandfather and my, my grandmother, she loved G.C. Spencer, and so that was her driver. Oh, and so if anybody on... messed with G.C. Spencer, my grandmother was in their face, and I mean in their face. So my grandfather calls my mom and says, I need for DW to go to the races with Granny. And mom said, why? Keep her out of trouble. <laughs> Keep her out of trouble. Keep her out of trouble. <laughs> he said, she's going to get... I'm going to have to lock her up, you know, if, if she goes down in the pits cussing out any more drivers. So maybe if he's with her, she'll think twice about doing that Did and it work? keep her out of trouble. No, I went right along with her. <laughs> I was well, that, mad as she was. Well, that kind of did set you up. You were a bad boy of NASCAR. I could, could be said. Uh, I, had a, I played a role. You played a role. Yeah, I really wasn't a bad person. Okay, now, uh, but, but I had a bad reputation. You did, and we're going to get to how that changed, but one of the key ingredients in that change was meeting Stevie. 
Now, Stevie, a lot of moms and dads would say, if you were their daughter, you want to marry who? A race car driver? They Are said, you crazy? Yeah, they said that more, <laughs> believe me. Um, How'd that go when you came home and talked to your mom and dad about that? <laughs> well, I met this man. Yeah, they, they, um, I was in high school. The first time I met Daryl, I was, had just turned 16, and he was 19, and I wasn't even allowed to uh, go out with him. If he asked me, which he didn't, um, for a while, uh, they would not too, have let me go young, out with way him. Way too young. And, um, but then when we did, uh, I was a senior in high school, and nine months after we started dating, we got married. So I had just graduated from high school. And um, so this was not uh, part of what my parents had planned for me or had uh, in any way. So they, they were upset. But I have to say, my mother and dad, when they realized that this was the way it was going to go, they were very strong um, believers in the institution of marriage. And they decided, since I left Daryl, they were going to love him, too. And so... From the time we got married until they went to be with the Lord, um, Daryl always said, if something happened between he and I, he was going to go home to my parents. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they became very close. That's, that's yeah, a great I, I, I didn't have a relationship with, with the Lord at that time, but the Lord did speak to me. Uh, I, I think, you know. How, God, how, what do you mean by that? Well, the- when, when, uh, when I met Stevie, uh, I knew... Uh, in my heart and in my soul that she was the woman I was supposed to marry uh, for a number of reasons, but mainly because I just knew God said, this is the woman you should marry. Don't let her get away. And because and, she was going to go to school. She getting ready to leave to go to, to Texas to school. And I, I knew if she did, I, we might not get married right away. And I, I wasn't like pushing or anything, but I just... I just knew that she was oh, the right yes, woman. Oh, he was. <laughs> and, and the problem was the Lord told him that, but he didn't tell my parents that. So. Or Stevie. <laughs> now, were you, were you racing at the time? Had you oh, hit yeah. the big track by that oh, point? Oh, no, no. I was racing on the well, – that's why my father-in-law, who had worked in the pits at Indy as, a, uh, as a, one of the safety workers in the Indy, they had volunteers up there at that time, and he had worked in the pits at Indy. He had been to the Daytona 500, so he knew about big leagues – racing but he didn't know about our little local racing at Whitesville Speedway or Ellis Speedway or Hobstad or some of the dirt tracks that I started out on so his image or his vision of racing was not very good I mean you know he talked about beer drinking and fighting and right. that kind of thing and so and it was and that, that was true that's the way it was but I had a much bigger vision than that but it's, it was going to take a while for that vision to, to come true so I was racing at that level that he didn't like and so when I talked to him about marrying Stevie, and he says, so how are you going to support my daughter? I said, I'm going to be a professional race car driver. Uh, and he didn't think that was going to work out so hot. <laughs> what did he say, I wasn't though? real sure of myself. But what, what, I mean, yeah, it's all unknown at that point. And really, it's like any professional sport, one in a million yeah. can actually make it. But yeah. you did, and you did in a big way. Yeah. I, I was just determined. Uh, I from the time I was a little guy, I raced my first race when I was 12 on a go-kart. I'd never driven a go-kart. I'd, just, I'd seen them race. I'd watched them race. I'd been to the shopping center parking lot where they raced these carts every Sunday. 
And for whatever reason, in, in my mind, if I ever had a chance, I could drive one of those things. It's faster, better than anybody out there. And that's what – it's kind of like a race fan that sits in the stand, says, oh, yeah, I got a Chevy SS like that, or I got a Camry like that. I guarantee you I could do that. <laughs> but that's kind of how I felt when I was a little guy. I said, if I ever get the chance, I know I could do that. And the first time I got on it, I won. And you liked it. And I loved it. Daryl, talk about that. And, Stevie, I want to hear your perspective on that. So you have success – from 12 years old on, and you then eventually make it to the big track, NASCAR, the big leagues. What kind of person, let me turn it to Stevie, what kind of person was Daryl uh, with that much success Honey, and that re- much... Remember the recording. <laughs> and that much competition. <laughs> I mean, it's a really unique environment that a lot of people don't get to, where it's about winning every day, and you've got to have a fierce desire to win that's unusual. Um, at that time in his life, that was what his focus was completely and totally all about. His was to be a successful race car driver, and like he said, he was very determined, probably would have done just about anything to make whatever it was he thought should happen, happen. So we were married at the time, and my focus was on him and our marriage. His was on racing. And um, obviously, our focus was not where it needed to be. Mm. And our relationship was not like I wanted it to be. And I'm not sure he even thought about our relationship at the time. Well, he was all consumed, right? He truly was. And uh, But because um, the Lord uses everything to um he can redeem anything and because i was miserable in our relationship then i started looking for the lord and i I believe at the time i was a christian but i was a baby christian and we didn't go to church because we raced and so um i asked the lord on our 10th anniversary i wrote daryl a just a, a note to tell him how much I appreciated him and loved him. And we said our vows to each other again. And, um, but I said, I, I truly want to love the Lord more than I, I do you. Hmm. And I, I, the Lord took that as a prayer. Huh. And from that, I'm, I'm, the Lord was working to get us both to that point. Did but you then, convey that to Daryl, though? Oh, yeah, I wrote that in that note. Now, his, your competitive spirit, well, did you say, <clears throat> okay, now I'm in a race with yeah. God? Here's Stevie's heart. Here's here's what I had to figure out. Our God's a jealous God. I mean, the Bible says so. He is a jealous God. You will put no gods before me. Well, this building is full of things that I put before God. Hmm. Uh, From the very first time I ever drove a go-kart until 1983, I put a lot of things before God. My racing career, uh, Stevie and my marriage, I kind of threw God in there every now and then, you know, when I needed help. Uh, You know, it it was hard for me to let go uh, because I'd always done it. I always felt like I did it myself. Right. The races I won, the things I did, uh, it was things that I had done, and I wasn't giving God any glory. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. 
This is Jim Daly inviting you to join us in Dallas-Fort Worth for Focus on the Family Celebrate Life Live experience at the American Airlines Center on Saturday, August 28th. This live event will feature inspirational pro-life speakers to encourage you in the pro-life movement. Join us for Focus on the Family Celebrate Life Live experience in Dallas-Fort Worth. Visit FocusOnTheFamily.com slash C-Life. Oh, hey, Mike. Got here as soon as I could. What's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on my marriage. Is it good news? Yeah. Our marriage is going great right now. I couldn't be happier. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a solid 5 out of 10. (laughs) Having a marriage that's just okay isn't where couples really want to live. Give yourself and your spouse an all-inclusive weekend where you'll slow your pace and focus on each other. Get more details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Daryl, uh, there was a particular race that got your attention because of what happened. Set the stage of what happened and how God spoke to your heart. Well, an athlete and, and race car driver, I can only speak as a race car driver. That's kind of how I think. But I think athletes in general think they're invincible. Uh, sure. That, there's, you know, I'm, when something would happen in, to other drivers, I said, well, he didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't that good. You know, he made a mistake, all those things. And uh, I'd never really been hurt in a race car. Uh, had some wrecks. I know I'm not saying I never wrecked, but I never had a serious wreck until 1983. Uh, in 83, I had a wreck at Daytona that I spun off turn four into the inside wall and uh, had a serious concussion. I mean, you, you, that car flipped how many times? No, they didn't. That, that's not a flipper. This wasn't, no, was head this on. wasn't flipper. This was, this was in 83, and I backed it into the wall and had a concussion. Went to two races and didn't even remember going to them when I finally woke up. Wow. Now, a lot of people said that wreck knocked me conscious. <laughs> what do you mean by and that? I, I think they were right because at that point, that's when I realized, whoa, you can get hurt doing this. And before 83... I had had an epiphany moment with the Lord and um, had started going to Bible study fellowship and listening to Chuck Swindoll on the radio <laughs> and would turn it up really loud so that when Daryl was shaving or getting, He'd have to listen. Rate, he would have to hear Chuck. This sounds like a normal marriage. You're so, I like this. You're yes. so subtle about this. I know, yes. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of the uh, races that we would go to, I had my Bible study fellowship notes and I'd be reading them out loud. Daryl, you won't believe what, this is so cool. Listen to this. <laughs> And, um, Hold on and, a minute, Hammond's on the other line. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he actually was very uh, receptive, he, or he said he was. He, he said he enjoyed hearing them, and I would read those out loud to him, and we would talk about them, and I was, that was the first Bible study that I'd ever done in my life, and it, to this day, it's one of my best periods in my life, best memories. You're just hungry for God's just, word. I truly was. Yeah. Couldn't get enough. And so, you know, the Lord was working. The Lord was using his words and his, um, in Daryl's life. He probably wasn't aware of that, but, but yeah. he was. One of the things that really uh, spoke to my heart uh, was Michael Card. Mm-hmm. Christian, Steve and I were talking Christian about, singer yeah, back, back Christian, in the 80s and yeah, 90s. Yeah, well, he still is. And writes, yeah. Most all of his songs are, are right out of the Bible. Scripture, most all of them are beautiful, beautiful songs. And we had met Michael and become friends with him and his wife, Susan. 
And uh, I can't tell you how many times going to the track on Sunday morning, uh, we would listen to Michael Carden music. And uh, and it really kind of touched my heart. And then uh, in 83, after that accident in February, uh, we started going to a, uh, a church that met on Wednesday nights. Mm. All those years before, my excuse was, well, I can't go. I don't have time. I, don't, I can't go to church on Sunday because I work on Sunday. All the races then were on Sunday afternoon. So I don't have time. I can't make it to church. So, And I'm not one of those guys. I'm either all in or I'm not going to do it, so we're not going to go. And then we found a – she did – found a church that met on Wednesday night. And uh, Dr. Cortez Cooper uh, became a great friend and a great mentor, and he helped me. Uh, rededicate my life. Well, and he asked you some very specific questions, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was. But Dr. Cooper was a, he was a man's man. He knew he knew about baseball. He knew about football. And he knew who I was. Uh, I wouldn't I didn't have any idea he knew me or that he knew anything about what I did. But he knew I was. And and we just connected. He knew the good, the bad and the ugly. And he loved him in spite of it. Well, that's he a, truly did. Yeah, he, that's a key just, point, though. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, he would uh, put his arm around me and hug me and tell me that God loved me. Not He didn't tell me he loved me. He did. But he said, God loves you, and God has a plan for your life. And um, hmm. I said, I don't know, bud. Uh, does he like racing? <laughs> well, he a race fan? <laughs> and you and I have talked before. You also had the doubts that your character didn't measure up. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, How could uh, God love me? In a lot of ways, that's true. And, and even in, in some ways that... Uh, that maybe you don't even realize, but we wanted to have children, and we couldn't. We kept trying, and we we couldn't. And uh, we tried for 18 years to have children. And uh, I was, at one time, I was convinced that it was because of me. In what way? Like your behavior? Or yeah, how? yeah. Because of my lifestyle, the way I, I didn't. I thought maybe God didn't think I'd be a good father. When your first child came along, did, how did that change your heart and change your mind? <laughs> it was, well, you, you well, listen, we, I got sick. We, we lost. I, got, I had morning sickness. We lost babies before I finally got pregnant with Jessica. And, um, and I had such a peace about this pregnancy. Daryl, on the other hand, when I, when I got morning sickness and I'm celebrating because <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to be. And it had not been that way in the previous pregnancy. So I'm celebrating being sick. And he actually got morning sickness. He actually got sick. Tough nine months, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and that was the first time in many years that he went from January until September, which is my pregnancy, those nine months, uh, that he didn't want to race. Um, he, I mean, he, he was completely changed by this little unborn baby. Huh. Yeah. Why was it such an impact on you, the hardcore winning driver? Well, yeah. mainly, you know, we had prayed a lot and uh, my walk with the Lord had gotten stronger and we were doing everything right. We kind of done everything wrong, or at least I had, and now we're doing everything right. And we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to. And, and then I felt like I got right with the Lord and uh, then this baby comes along, and, and, and I changed teams. Uh, in, uh, I quit driving the 11 car for Junior Johnson, and I went to drive the Tide car for Rick Hendrick. And that was in 1987. And we had what they called the dream team. I mean, it was like the best of the best. Me, Waddell Wilson, all the best crew members you could assemble. We were going to win every race. 
I mean, we're, there was no question about it. With the talent we had and the driver and the sponsor, we'd win every race. And we didn't win a race until September. Huh, all year? All year long. I mean, we had a good car, decent car, fast car, up in the points good, but we just didn't win. And uh, the weekend that Jessica was born, we won that race. That was our first win that year. And, and what was amazing about that was, and it's hard for me to tell these things because it touches my heart, but uh, we're at Martinsville, one of my favorite tracks, short track, and I won a lot there. And uh, Jessica was born on Thursday, I think it was. And uh, so I had to go to the track, and I left Stevie and, and Jessica at home. And I get to the track, and Sunday morning I get to the track. And I'm, I'm on cloud nine. we got a beautiful little baby girl. Things are good, man. They're good. Car won't run worth a flip, but <laughs> everything else pretty <laughs> but good. But it didn't matter that Everything much. else pretty good, and I don't really care. <laughs> so I get to the track on Sunday morning. I go down to the car, and it's in the pits here, and I look in the seat of the car, and there's a vase with a rose in it oh. and a note. And I, I said, wow, what's this? Open up the note, and it said, win this one for me, Daddy. It still chokes you <laughs> up. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> like a big old baby. But anyway. Well, wait a minute. So <laughs> you won it, right? Yeah, but it's, it's, this is even better. Uh, so we hadn't won a race all year, and I show the note to all the guys, and they say, yeah, right. We hadn't won a race all year. But anyway. <laughs> in the race, we're not the car's decent, but it's not great. Late caution, get some tires on the thing, and we got to run at it. We're going to get a pretty good finish out of this. White flag comes in the air, and I'm running third. I'm running behind Earnhardt's leading, Terry Labonte's second. I'm running third. And uh, we go down in the first turn, and Terry tries to get up on the outside of Dale, and Dale pushes him up the hill, and Terry gets in the wall coming off a of turn, too, bounces off the wall. Well, now I, I know how Terry – drives i know how dale is terry was hot and he was going to go down in the third turn he was going to boot odell he's going to do the bump and run on him well while they're up there two knuckleheads messing with each other here i come i got a head of steam i'm coming down the back straightaway too and i'm thinking i'm going to at least get by terry so i drive down in the third turn and terry overdrove the corner trying to get to dale i overdrove the corner trying to get to terry i bumped terry terry bumped dale Dale and Terry went up the racetrack backwards, and I went by, and wave, when I went by, wave, <laughs> waving, and I didn't leave but 600 feet of that race, but I won that race. You led only 600 feet of 500 from, from miles. From turn four to the start-finish line, that's all I led. Oh I guess that's all that matters. That's all that mattered. I now, won that race. after the race, did they come to you and oh, yeah. pray for you? Oh, no. <laughs> no. They use some of those hyphenated words that we, don't, <laughs> we might not ought to be repeating. Those, those uh, grandmother words, yeah, those right? Grandmother those grandmother words. Your grandma came back. Well, to granny your was there. Yeah, but it was amazing because uh, it's the only race I won that year, nineteen eighty-seven. Oh, that's something, Stevie. Let me ask you this because so many people they may not have a spouse who knows the Lord, and they're where you were. Um, speak to that wife who knows that her husband isn't there yet. And you could tell there was a change in Daryl. You know, so many times people say, well, how do you know if you encounter God? You saw a changed life mm. and a changed heart. I did. Describe yeah. who he became, the kind of man. Well, first of all, I never gave up on the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, the Lord's the one that does the saving, and my part is to pray, and that's what I did. And I asked people that I could confide in, 
that would love Daryl regardless. Now this, you um, got to paint that picture because Daryl was that driver that everybody hated. I mean, they would throw beer cans at him and yell chicken at him, bones. right? You were the bad boy. Chicken, bo- even chicken bones. Oh yeah. I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I you would, were everybody. Well, I you like were, both. Okay. You were the the bad guy. Today, who would that be? Oh, who's uh, kind yeah, of that it, guy? Well, it could be a couple of guys. It could be Kevin Harvick. Uh, he's got a kind of hot temper, written, and, and Tony Stewart kind of got a hot. So temper. that hot temper that paints Kyle the picture. Bush. Kyle Bush is a pretty probably a good representative of somebody that I acted like. Right. And so then continue from there, Stevie. So that paints the picture. Yeah. And then, um, so I just, I prayed and so did a few of my close friends. Then I would, like I said, I read my notes to him and I, he could not help but notice the enthusiasm that I had in regards to the Bible and what I was hearing. And he grew up going to church so it's not like it was completely foreign to him, but um, it, I'm sure it did have some sort of influence. And uh, so I would just tell a wife that um, you might give up on your husband, but don't give up on God. Mm. You know, um, the Lord wants um, wants all of us to be in his kingdom. So that was my approach with Daryl. And I also, you know, he... he there is this picture of this aggressive, angry young man, and he was, but also he had an incredibly tender heart. And I probably was maybe the only person that mm. recognized that. But you can't have what he's got. I, he, I always think of him, his heart was so tender that he did whatever he could to protect that. Mm. And that's kind of how I, I saw him. And little by little, the Lord just chiseled away, chiseled away, chiseled away at that hardness. And it was. And you could see it. I could see it. And then yes. you knew he was changing. Yes. She likes to say that she'd been married to two men with the same name. <laughs> and, and that's, that's a good the thing, truth. though. Yes. Yep. We've been listening to a special Focus on the Family conversation with Daryl and Stevie Waltrip from Charlotte, North Carolina. That was recorded in the Daryl Waltrip Museum in front of a live audience. And uh, there was a steady rain coming down all day. You might have heard that, actually, in the background. It didn't dampen the spirits, though, of those of us in the room listening to this couple share um, so insightfully and candidly about their marriage and their experiences in NASCAR. And as you've heard about their spiritual journey, it may be that you'd like to know more about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, We would love to share a little booklet we have with you. It's called Coming Home, and it explains the Christian walk more fully. It gives you some next steps to grow in your faith. And we've got that online, or we can send a printed version to you. Our number is 800-A-FAMILY, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'll invite you back next time as we continue the discussion with Daryl and Stevie Waltrip and once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Our God's a jealous God. I mean, the Bible says so. He is a jealous God. You will put no gods before me. Well, the my racing career, uh, Stevie and my marriage, uh, 
kind of threw God in there every now and then, you know, when I needed help. Uh, I, the, the races I won, the things I did, it was things that I had done, and I, and I wasn't giving God any glory. Former driving champ and NASCAR announcer Daryl Waltrip describing his spiritual condition at one point in his racing career. And today on Focus on the Family, you'll hear more about the Waltrip's faith journey as a couple. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. And Jim, we're going back to a conversation recorded in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, John, we visited with Daryl and Stevie at the Daryl Waltrip Museum in front of a live audience with friends of Focus. There were a bunch of Daryl's old race cars in the room, and they're in good shape. Don't get me wrong. He fired up a couple of them. It was a lot of fun. But the racing banners, photos of his great victories, all of it. Daryl was one of the most successful drivers in the 1980s. He tied for fourth on the all-time win list for NASCAR, and we really had a great time while getting to know this couple uh, who've been married for over 50 years, and we heard about their ups and downs in their relationship and in the racing business. And Daryl and Stevie Waltrip have volunteered for a number of years with Motor Racing Outreach, which is a Christian organization holding chapel services for drivers and their families and crew. And MRO also distributes literature and other support in the NASCAR community, and we really appreciate their work. Now, last time, Daryl talked about a crash at Daytona in 1983 that really changed his life and led him to rededicate his life to Christ. Today, on this Focus on the Family broadcast, we're going to pick up with the discussion as Jim is asking Daryl about his second big crash at Daytona. That happened in 1990. Daryl, again at Daytona, you had the flipper crash. You had the big one. Describe that and what happened, and again, how that added momentum to knowing and thinking about eternity. Well, once you know, I always like to tell people that once you give your life to the Lord, you, you know, it doesn't solve all your problems. You know, it's not a bed of roses. Being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever done. Huh. And it's not something that it's just, you know, you flip a switch and uh, you go from not serving the Lord to all of a sudden you serve the Lord and that's all there is. Uh, it's a progression. What really is important is where are you right now when you're sitting here in this chair are you, you know, is your relationship with the Lord where it should be? So uh, in 1990, I had another serious wreck at Daytona, turn four, terrible turn. I hate that turn. <laughs> I've wrecked more there and have all the other turns put together. But uh, and, and I was messed up. I uh, broke my leg, shattered my femur, broke my arm, ribs, concussion. I was pretty messed up. I got hit in the driver's door by another car. I was sitting still, another car hit me around 180 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. So that should have probably been the end of my career, or it could have been the end of my career. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, by the grace of God, and uh, God felt like I think he had other work that that I was supposed to do, um, I, I was able to overcome those injuries and get back in my car and race. But all those times that things like that happened, it really just drew me closer to God. It just knew my dependence on God. I depended on my car. I depended on my crew. I depended on me. And none of those things could help me. Uh, the only thing that could really help me was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when, when I started to get that, get that in perspective, uh, I, I really I didn't worry about anything. Huh. I didn't worry about being hurt because I, I knew that the Lord would either, he would heal me. Yeah. 
and I would be able to race again, or he would have something else that he wanted me to do. You know, as you're describing it, Daryl, it sounds like that, that parable that Jesus talked about when the seed is cast, how it'll take root, hopefully. And it sounds like these experiences really deepen the roots of your faith every time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you when you do what we do, you need to have a good relationship with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, and I'd say that's kind of funny, I know, but it, it really and truly, you better have your priorities right. Mm. A year later, one year later to the day, I had another serious wreck at Daytona. Turn four? That was where Flipper was. <laughs> it was going down to turn. I was getting there. Uh, that crash you see on the wall up there, uh, that was one year to the day later. After my serious wreck at Daytona, I got back going again, and uh, that's a 4th of July race, and I got clipped coming off turn two about halfway down the back straightaway, and the car went into the infield uh, grass there and just started flipping, and it tore it all apart, as it, you can see. Yeah, it's barely a car. It's just a shell. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, there was an experience there, Stevie, where you were providing Daryl a scripture card for every race mm-hmm. and putting it on the dash or and then you started doing it for someone else. Talk about your relationship with Dale Earnhardt, all three of you, and w- what that meant to him when he was at Daytona in turn four. Um, I had started putting scriptures um, in Daryl's car on the dash just to give him words of encouragement. If we had a caution flag, the cars slowed The woman down. was relentless. <laughs> I mean, she read to Persistent. me going to the track. I'd get to the track. <laughs> then I'd get ready to get in the car. Now I'm going to get this scripture and put it on the dash. And I, She was relentless, but in a good way. <laughs> um, good for you. Yes. So, uh, so I started doing that in the early 80s. And um, then in the 90s, and I don't remember what year Neil died. 90, um, Neil Bonnet was a, one of our co-competitors 95 94 yeah 94 and um he had a a terrible wreck at daytona and he died and dale earnhardt and neil bonnet were really good friends and it just it it really affect well affected the whole community right Uh, it is a family isn't it it truly is and i always made it um kind of my mission i didn't want to have feuds with other wives or other race teams, that's just not who I am. So I've made every effort to just leave whatever happened on the racetrack there and to have be able to have good relationships with me with on the, the other, other hand. <laughs> so that's kinda like other be people. a friend to the, your enemies. Yes. Yeah. Well yeah. actually heaping coals. Yes. We <laughs> had that scripture. I read that to we we were having um some very strong feelings about a certain driver at the time and it wasn't dale and so i was reading uh, proverbs out loud to us Um, and i think it's in proverbs but anyway it's where um be good to your enemies it's like uh, pouring whatever heaping hot coals coals on their head and and whatever (laughs) it was hey daryl listen to this you're gonna love this (laughs) this is going to motivate you to love this particular driver so anyway but back to dale um we were at the racetrack at daytona and i had um was writing madly this down this scripture because i was late getting out on pit road and dale and and daryl had qualified relatively close um so so they were on pit road um getting lined up for the race to start 
and they're going to their cars to get in and Dale saw me with the with the card and he said what are you doing and I said well I, these are scriptures that I write for Daryl and I put them in the car every week and he puts out his hand and he said well where's mine <laughs> so we I, I said well wait just a second I'll go get you one so anyway and so from that point forward 94 until 2001 uh, Daryl and Dale got scriptures and sometimes at I every would, race at every race because wow. I went to all the races that yeah. Daryl raced in and I wasn't, so I wasn't necessarily thrilled about this you, you <laughs> wanted to be the only guy with the advantage well, of scripture exactly. so Dale sometimes uh, uh, I would write depending on what the circumstances were in our lives and, and in Dale's the scriptures sometimes would be the same, but sometimes they weren't. And Dale would grab both of them and read them both, and he'd say, and he'd pick one, and he'd say, I got the good one, didn't I? Yeah, give this one to Daryl. So, yeah, he did. <laughs> and so anyway, Competitive about everything. So Daryl says, you honey, you're going to have to put my name on mine and Dale's <laughs> name on his. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what what did those scriptures mean to each of you guys? Well, <clears throat> you know, I mean, beyond I the competitive aspects, they were not good luck. It was not a good luck charm. Uh, it, it was just a message. Uh, and Stephen didn't just, uh, you know, throw something together Sunday morning, stick it on a card, and put it in a car. She gave a lot of thought. And normally, it would be some scripture that was related to maybe something that's going on in that weekend. And uh, and a lot of times during a caution flag, you'd always put them on the dash on a little note card. A lot of times during a caution flag, maybe things weren't going so great, and you'd look over and you'd read that scripture, and you'd get some encouragement you, from You it. had time during the competition of a race to look at the dash and read a scripture. Oh, yeah, that's, I, I was, that's why he crashed yeah. and turned four so much. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah. struck by how intense that situation is. That was is. his and version of texting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's a scripture for you. Yeah. Normally we would do it under a probably do it under a caution flag you know when you're going slow but anyway about 100 yeah we'd, we'd be not at racing speed but another another thing that was kind of along with the scripture with lake speed who's a good friend of ours and one of the uh, board members mro so me and him and bobby hill and you know we're trying to be good examples to the other drivers and you know drivers have a lot of hand signals they do uh, a lot of <laughs> single digit waves and <laughs> Shaking their fist and all that kind of thing, and so rooting each other. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. <laughs> go guys, go. brotherly love. Um, so Lake, I think uh, Lake saw me maybe do one of those single digit waves at somebody, and uh, after the race, it always said, you know, you shouldn't have done that because Lake's just like this. He will confront you in a heartbeat. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that didn't set. That's not a very good example. Uh, you know, you're a member of the Motor Racing Outreach. You're on the board. You claim claim you, the name of Christ. That's right. You say you're a Christian, and then it doesn't look like it out there today. I said, so what would you do? Okay, now you're going after every driver on the highway <laughs> right. who claims so, Christ. That's right. So I said, so what would you do, Lake? He said, well, instead of throwing up your finger like you did, why don't you just hold up your cup? I said, do What? He said, hold up your cup. He said, God cannot bless you if your cup is upside down. Huh. And apparently yours have been upside down quite a bit lately. <laughs> he said, so my suggestion is when you get mad or you, you want to send a message to someone, make it a message of encouragement and hold up your cup. 
Okay, you God can fill it with blessings. You don't need to be a NASCAR driver to do this, that's for sure. <laughs> this Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Every marriage has areas that are working well and areas that could use improvement. Based on the research and experience of Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, the Focus on Marriage Assessment will help you and your spouse discover and evaluate 12 essential traits and help you build a relationship that thrives. It's free and only takes about 10 minutes to complete. If you want to identify your strengths and find tools to help you grow, this assessment is for you. Go to FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment to get started. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. I do want to catch the end of that story, that last race for Dale Earnhardt, Mm -hmm. uh, that you gave him that scripture. Do you remember the scripture it was? Uh, Yes. It's Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a watchtower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And he would have read that before that race, and he put it on his dash, and then... Uh, Daryl, you were calling that race for Fox. It was on television. I was actually watching that race as well, the 2001 Daytona race. Yeah. Um, talk about the emotion of that because Michael, your brother, <clears throat> yeah. was involved with the end of that race. What happened? Yeah, well, it, it, this is an unusual weekend for us as a family. My girls and Stevie and I were all in the motor coach like we had been for years. But I don't have a race car. I'm not going to pit road. I'm putting on a coat and a tie. And I'm getting ready to go upstairs in the TV booth. And so the girls, Sarah and Jessica and Stevie, they're sitting there looking at me, well, like, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, go out on pit road. You, you know all the drivers. Just go out on the pit road like you always have. And, and uh, she said, you think Dale would still want me to give him scriptures? I said, honey, I know he would. I said, you got to do that for him. Even though you don't have to do it for me anymore, you got to keep doing it for him. He's still racing. Well, I don't know. I just don't feel real. She tell me I don't feel real good about that. I said, but well, pray about it and think about it. Because I didn't have a husband to go out on pit road for, so mm. it, it was just it was a huge life change for felt, felt for awkward. both of us. Yeah, it was it really awkward, did. really awkward. It was for all of us. Um, and uh, anyway, <clears throat> I said, well, I had to go. I said, think about it, pray about it, and and you'll come up with something. Open up your Bible, you'll find something that 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 uh is appropriate she came up with proverbs eighteen ten. she went on pit road that day without me her and jessica they saw dale and Teresa, and uh, dale saw stevie he had her to come over they she gave him his scripture and they hugged and and, then and he i got did a, get to tell him i loved him and he told me he loved me mm. so that's a wonderful comfort and, and memory Close. to have yes Describe the end of the race. What so, happened? So Dale has this scripture, and it's, it's on the dash. You can see it on the dash of the car. You can see it on – she does that for Dale Jr. now as well uh, at his request. It's not like she's out there promoting this. Uh, she's, she's not that way. But Dale Jr. wanted those scriptures. Only with like, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> just, Dale Jr. wanted those scriptures the same way. But, yeah, the last few laps of that race were insane. 
Uh, we'd had uh, we'd had a big wreck uh, with about 25 laps to go, I think. Uh, huge wreck, 20 car pileup. We always talk about the big one at Daytona and Talladega. Well, we had it, and uh, actually it's odd because. Uh, Tony Stewart was running up front, and his teammate Bonnie was running in the back, and they ended up on top of each other. Huh. That's how crazy the wreck was and how hard it is to avoid one of them. So the cars are stopped on the back straightaway, and this is the first race for my brother to be driving for Dale. Michael. Michael. He's in the Napa number 15 car, and, my, and Michael's leading. Dale Jr.'s in the eight Budweiser car, and, and Senior is in the three, the Goodwrench car. And the cars are stopped on the back under the red flag because they had to clean up the track from the big wreck. And Dale, like he always liked to do, he had to orchestra, he had to direct everything. You know, if he was here, he would have rearranged this whole room. <laughs> and, and, and he'd say, why are you sitting there? Well, you need to sit over here. And that's just how he was. I always thought he was a control freak, but people just said he wanted to be sure, he, you know, he was trying to help you. He wanted to be sure he had it right. And so I had to think about that. But um, it could I, be a I, control freak. I, I, I still think it was a control freak. But anyway, uh, so he's telling Michael and Dale Jr. how to run these last few laps of this race. Michael, if you're going to be you're leading, Dale Jr., do not pass him. You stay behind him and you push him. And if anybody gets a run on us, I'll take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. And so they go back to racing, and there's just a, the, the race is winding down. Um, Dale was driving defensively uh, he was blocking he was blocking uh which for dale is totally out of character for dale he's used to people pushing him and helping him and getting him to the front and but he was really just kind of helping michael and, and dale jr win the race and but in, in his wildest dreams i'm sure he never thought about getting wrecked and i'm sure that because my brother never won a race, people were saying, well, why'd you put him in that car? All the drivers you could find out there, and you had to put him in that car. But Dale loved to be one of those kind of guys that I told you so. Uh, and the last thing he saw as they came into the third turn and start off turn four, he saw his two cars headed for the checkered flag. But because of the way he was driving, he blocked Schrader and he blocked Sterling, and he finally he just made one move too many, and Sterling got into him a little bit going into, down into third turn there, and the car got loose and went up the track and smacked a concrete wall, not a safer barrier like we got now, a concrete wall at probably about 170 miles an hour. Head on. Yeah, head on. Now, the race was finishing. I remember watching that, and yeah. everybody was excited for Michael because it was his yeah. first big race, Daytona. Yeah. But everybody's eye kind of went back to that crash behind him. Yeah. In fact, you were on Fox, and you asked what happened to yeah. Dale. Well, a couple of things. Uh, when a car hits a concrete wall head on, it, it's just like if I walked over in front of you and went just like that. The force. The force. I mean, you, your head can't stop. It's brutal. And that's what happened to Dale. And I, I, I was watching Michael, and I'm, I'm so excited for my brother, who's going to win his, not only his first race, but the biggest race we have, the Daytona 500. It's his first time in the car. It's my first time to do a race. We had talked about an off season. Wouldn't it be cool if I was calling the race and you won it? Wow, that'd be a cool moment. And that's what's happening. And he's coming down to get the checkered flag, and Junior's going to run second. And I, I saw the black car go up the hill, uh, up the track, out the corner of my eye. But I'm, I'm focused on Michael. Come on, baby, you can do it. Bring it home. Don't let him get by you, you know. 
and Michael crossed the start finish line, and I'm so I'm euphoric. He won the race. God, this is perfect. We're going to celebrate. Go to a victory circle. It's going to be so much fun. And in our booth, we have a lot of monitors, and they showed a replay of Dale's wreck, and I knew right then, I don't think we're going to go to a victory circle because I think this is pretty bad. And they came to me, and I said, I hope Dale was okay, and I knew he wasn't. I knew he wasn't for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's an incredible crash. Didn't look that bad on TV, but I knew the effect. And then Kenny Schrader, really dear friend. Kenny's a tough guy, raced all over the country. He walked around to Dale's car, and he dropped that window net down, and when he did, he jumped back like that and started waving for the safety crew. And I knew right then that there, it was something very seriously wrong. So now my brother, who's headed for Victory Lane, Dale, who's being put in an ambulance, and one of the most eerie sights I think I've ever seen was that ambulance comes out of the track and starts up uh, 92 there, headed toward Halifax Hospital, going about 20 miles an hour. No urgency whatsoever. Mm. And that was just another indication to me that it was much serious than everybody had thought. You know, there's so many life applications to that. Um, mm. You guys have lived in the fast lane and won big races, and you have a beautiful career and great memories. For that to happen all in that one day, it really sums up so much of life, doesn't it? Yeah, a, a lot of ways it does. And, and I'll tell you something that people, I don't think, I don't know if you realize this or not, maybe not at the time, but you kind of feel guilty, uh, you know, that I, I survived. Uh, I survived uh, some tough wrecks, and Dale had survived all the tough wrecks too, but that one got him. Mm. And you always wonder, you know, how come – I survived and he didn't. And I think sometimes you feel guilty about that to some degree. You know, but it's true for each of us. Uh, we're all kind of running the race, like Paul said. Mm. And yeah. something's going to get every one of us. Yeah. We can't uh, outrun death. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, knowing what you had done there for Dale, um, talk about the comfort in your heart that he thought about God before he passed away. He did, and we'd had uh, talked about the Lord, and I'm convinced he is in the arms of Jesus right now. And so just knowing that I had prayed and asked the Lord, and he specifically, he gave me that scripture because I read it, and, um, you know, I'm, re I'm reading Proverbs, all of that chapter, and then I got to that one, and I thought, this is it. And I'd never used that scripture before, and so I but then I kept on reading because I kind of doubted, you know, I wasn't real sure. And then I went back to it and I asked Daryl about it. What do you think? And um, I said, I just really believe this is the scripture that I'm supposed to give Dale today. And so I wrote it out. So knowing those things, knowing that I went to the Lord and that I think I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to pick that scripture that that gave me tremendous comfort. It gave his family comfort. It gave his racing family comfort. It gave race fans comfort. Just to read those words, know they were specifically chosen for Dale in that situation and for each one of us. So it, it gave us all tremendous comfort. No, it's a beautiful thing to know about. From both of your perspectives, can I just ask you to speak to that person that's living that hard charge in life, Daryl, that business guy, 
um, the doctor, whoever it might be, yeah. the person that's just fully consumed with their environment and themselves, um, speak to that person. Yeah. Well, I had the privilege of doing an I Am Second video. I was one of the first or second people that did an I Am, I Am Second. And that's the hardest thing for someone successful to be able to do is to say that I'm going to be second. It's just it's not in your nature to feel that way. But when you realize that, when you do put God first and when you are second, and when there are no other gods uh, before him, um, then you can start to live uh the real life, uh, a life of uh, athletes, a lot of professional things are selfish people. They just worry about themselves. And I, I was one of those kind of guys. I worried about myself and didn't really care what happened to anybody else. But uh, when God got inside of me and got in my heart, uh, that all changed. And that's what it's about, change. If you haven't experienced a change in your life, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you might want to go back and try it again. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I say. To, when someone, and another thing I think is important, when someone like your wife says, I'm praying for you, or your friends say, I'm praying for you, don't take that lightly. Mm. That's, I love it when people say, it's my privilege to pray for you. Uh, that, that's huge. They're thinking of you and taking you and your name and your situation to the Lord, mm. and they're doing it for you. And when you're, a, when, when you're in a position where you can finally say to someone, I'm praying for you, I'm not just praying for my selfish self, but I'm praying for you, I think that's a big turning point. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Daryl Waltrip, known as D.W., yeah. and his wife, Stevie, yeah. thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Good to be here. Thanks, all you folks. Nice, to, nice audience. As Daryl noted, it really was a nice audience, and what a great conversation we had uh, featured today on Focus on the Family with Daryl and Stevie Waltrip, recorded at the Daryl Waltrip Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, the Waltrips uh, really had some fascinating stories about NASCAR and their faith and marriage of more than 50 years, and I hope our listeners will contact us and get a copy of the CD of this two-day broadcast and share it with others. When you call, uh, please consider making a generous donation to the work of Focus on the Family to help us share Christ with others and encourage them in their marriages. And when you donate any amount today, we'll send you the CD of this conversation as our way of saying thank you. And then, most importantly, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you're not really sure even what that means. We'd be happy to tell you more, and we'll send you a free booklet called Coming Home, An Invitation to Join God's Family. And tens of thousands have requested this booklet or have uh, viewed it online, and it's our privilege to send it to you. Uh, we just call 800, the letter A, and the word family, or look for that online. It's uh, going to be linked at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. <music>